Amen, amen. Yes, praise the Lord. Man, thanks for leading us so well, worship team. If you have a Bible uh, and a free hand that you're not holding a child with, uh, jump to James chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. James chapter 3, and uh, it is in God's good humor uh, that he has landed us in this passage at this time. And let me just say, families, I am so glad we are all doing this together. And so we're going to have some comments from the gallery that, that may be a little bit different than normal. And let me just say, we welcome those comments. You are offending no one. So if, if your husband starts screaming mid-service, we love him anyway. And, and we're so glad that he is here this morning. Uh, so just with a lot of grace. This is a beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, kids are an absolute blessing, um, aren't they? And we are so glad that they're joining us in worship this morning. Um, There are two titles um, that I was playing with for today's sermon. Uh, One is uh, The Power of Words. Uh, The second title or subtitle uh, is this, Me and My Big Mouth. Um, Or uh, it could also be titled, You and Your Big Mouth. And so that's where we're going this morning. That's where God has led us. We're going to talk about the power of our Tongues. So let's read from James chapter 3 and then jump in. James chapter 3 says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. And if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships. Also, though they are so large or driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, um, whatever way uh, the will the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. And the world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, set on fire the entire course of, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For, by every, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same open both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray that as we look at the reality of the power of our mouths, the power of our tongues, that we would would walk wisely in the world. That we would understand that our words can make an incredible impact for life or an incredible impact for death. As you said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So Lord, I pray that as we think about our speech. We would be men and women and kids that use our words to bless and not curse, that use our words to build up and not break down, but you would use our words to be life-giving and not life-taking. We ask all of this through the power of your spirit because in all, all honesty, we cannot control our mouths, but by the grace of God, you can help us 
to be ones that control our speech so that we can be ones that bring life. We ask all of this, guide our time, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, a favorite, uh, famous author, Abraham Heischel, said this, words create worlds. Our words can literally create a new world. Our words can either build up or they can, as we'll see, burn down. And we can all think of moments where we see there's certain words that make us so excited to hear. For some of you that are married or dating, uh, you, you have a song like you, you have some song and maybe that song was played at your first date or maybe that song was played at your wedding or maybe that song had some significance, but there's some lyrics and it's weird to us that, that the power of not just the melody, not just the music in the song, it's, it's the words of the song that are so powerful. And, and in fact, whenever the music starts, immediately in your mind pops the lyrics and you start singing and saying those lyrics and the ability to craft those lyrics well has made an impact on your heart. Words mean something. For others of you, it's books. Uh, This summer, you're so looking forward to to the summer because you've got a summer reading list that you're going to get into, and so you're going to read Harry Potter again, or you're going to read Lord of the Rings, actually get through it this time. Like You're going to pick some reading materials, and you're going to go for it because those words are powerful, and words, words, words can direct literally the course of your life. They can direct a crowd words are incredibly powerful. And you're like, Kevin, I don't, words can't direct any crowd. Yes, they can. In fact, I got an example um, right now. So uh, I do believe we have, is Caden, Caden Wessel coming up? All right, I, I, we'll have an example of this. Come, come on up, come on up. Your words can direct an audience. And, and there's, one, there's one simple example we're gonna show you. This is Caden, welcome Caden up. He's going to, right here, right here, front center, front center, right center. He's going to show us the power of words through a simple game. You ready for the game? It's called Simon Says. You ready? Can you grab the mic for me real quick? The game is Simon Says. All right, you tell these people whatever you want, what Simon Says, and they have to do it. Simon Says. Stand up. Tell Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says. Stand up. Simon says, stand up. Look at that. Oh my gosh. Simon says, put your hand on your head. Simon says, put your hand on your head. Oh, look at all that. Simon says, mess up your hair. (laughs) Simon says, pat your head. Simon says, pat your head. Oh, good. Now say, sit down. Sit down. Oh, some of y'all just lost. The rest of them are good followers, as Simon says. Hey, good job. Give me a hand. Yeah, yeah. High five, buddy. Great job. Great job. Oh, my gosh. The power of words. Simon says, sit down. You can do it. Some of you. Truest. We have one champion. Well done. Well done. The power of words. Your words are incredibly powerful. They can do great things. Words are meaningful. And, and James is going to talk to us this morning about the power of our tongues, how we use our speech. And he begins this passage with a warning. He says in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, 
For you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. He begins, first of all, with a warning. And he says this, not many of you should become teachers. Now, why does he start there? If it's an issue of words, why is he, uh, why is he first addressing teachers? It's because this, in, in their culture, to be a teacher was a, a position of prominence. To be a rabbi, someone who gave instruction, it was a position of prominence. And so there's some people within the church that were vying for that position because they wanted to stand on stage. They wanted to tell people what to do. And so they wanted that position of authority. But, but James says, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't be people that strive for the position of authority because those who stand on stage, those who teach, those who speak, you will be judged with greater strictness. Those who, who have a platform and use their words will be judged more strictly. And we've seen that in our culture. Those who speak will be held accountable to their words. It's been interesting even looking at the political climate over the past several years that, that simple texts or speeches have a huge impact on their lives. In fact, speeches that were given back when, some, or statements that were given by some political leaders back when they were in high school are still being brought to them today. Our words will be used against us. And even in the public forum, the more words you bring into the public sphere, the more ammo they have against you. I remember the first time um, I really was hit this, and it was a, when I was a college pastor, and I remember uh, speaking on a particular topic, and I remember walking on the stage and going like, as I say these things, this will have implications on the rest of my life. If I actually say what I believe about God and what he believes about humanity, the, the way that I'm speaking, this is going to have life-altering impacts. And he says, not only will be, you'll be judged in the public sphere, you'll be judged by God. He says, those who speak, those who stay on stage, those who teach, will be judged with greater strictness. And so this has been fun to study uh, this, <laughs> this week. Watch out, Kevin, because if you stand on stage, you'll be judged with greater uh, strictness. Mark 12, 38, Jesus says this. And so all James is doing is just repeating his brother. He says this in Mark chapter 12, verse 38. It says this, and he said, and he said beware of the scribes who like to walk around in ro long robes and like greeting the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor, who devour widows in their houses for, uh, and for a pretense make long prayers, they have received their condemnation. He says, look, when you are one who teaches and you speak, God will judge you to whom much is given much is required, and that the tongue will be ultimately judged by God. You'll be judged by the words that you speak. And the reason that's a challenge, the reason that's a big challenge is this. He says the tongue is difficult to control. It's difficult to, to hold your mouth back. And he says we all stumble in many ways, but if you can control your mouth, you can control your whole body. He says, look, the tongue is the smallest part of your body. But if you can control what you say, you can control everything about you. And the tongue is so difficult to control. I think we've all had statements in life where we, we said something, we're like, why did that come out of my mouth? 
Like, I wish I could pull that back. Like, and, and we have this moment. And, and typically for me, it's when I'm tired or frustrated or angry. I come in a moment and someone says something and I'm like, I got to comment. And like, I got to pull those back in because it's so difficult to stop yourself. When he says this, if you can control your speech, you can control everything else about you. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But the, his premise, what he says is this, your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. And your words can be destructive. His whole premise in this entire section is this. Your words are powerful and your words can be destructive. Your words can build up or your words can build down, burn down. And he says this. Small statements, verse 3, can make an incredible impact for good or for bad, small statements make a big impact. He describes it with three illustrations. He describes it with horses, with ships, and with a fire. That small statements can make a big impact. He says if we put the uh, bit in the horses, in the mouths of horses, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Um, there's a woman in our congregation, and she trains horses professionally. That's her occupation. And so I called them up, and I said, please, can you bring a bridle to demonstrate this for us? And so, Hannah, thank you for providing a bridle for us. Um, I know nothing about horses. So if there's ever a question like, Kevin, did you, are you handling that correctly? No. Don't ask me. Ask her later on. But this is a bridle. Uh, this, this goes around the horse's head. This goes in the horse's mouth. This is the bit that the horse holds on to. And you can direct an 800 to 2,000 pound horse by simply pulling on the reins and directing the horse with, with with the reins and with your body movement. A girl who doesn't weigh 100 pounds can sit on a 2,000 pound animal and direct the course of its body. Think about that. It's amazing to see that someone so small could direct something so big by a small little bit and a few pulls of the reins. It is amazing to think that something so small could direct something so big. And what James's point is this. Yes, your mouth can direct big things. Your tongue can shape the direction and quality of your life. Your tongue can shape the direction of things. He also uses a second illustration, that of a ship. He says, look at the ships also. They are large and they're driven by strong winds. They're directed by a very small rudder wherever the pilot directs. If you've ever seen a ship, a ship is huge. It's, 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 it's absolutely huge. I'm gonna show you a gigantic ship, but they have small rudders in compared to the, the hugeness of the ship. And I was looking at some, some naval ships. There's an, an, an aircraft carrier, um, and it's part of a specific class of aircraft carrier called the Nimitz class. Um, it's 332 uh, meters long, and it looks like this. And I, I pulled up a little, a short video clip to show this ship turning. It's about going about, um, it can go up to 30 kilometers an hour on the, on the ocean, and it begins turning midway, like, like, a, like a ski boat. It begins turning. So can you play the video, the video on the next clip? I don't know if it was work. It came through. Come on, YouTube. Does it play? My life is sad. I so tried. 
But the image is incredible because you can literally see the ship turning sideways. And how does it turn? The rudders start cutting and it turns the entire ship. And I was watching the ship turn so quickly, this 330 meter length ship turning on. And how does it turn? It's simply the small rudder. He says, look, this, the ship can be directed. The big is controlled by something very, very small. And that small rudder can direct the whole ship. And then he gives a third illustration. He says, he says think about a fire. If you're going to go camping this summer, you'll be there with a, with a small fire, and you'll be there with a little, uh, if you're really into it, you'll be there with uh, like a match and kerosene, right? But if you're like good at building fires, you'll be there with a flint little spark. And you can build a large fire by uh, simply using a small spark. And fires, although small, can be destructive, A few years ago in California, California's known for their their forest fires that occur, but a a small fire started um, in Butte County, the tinder and vegetation in this area. And it was called Campfire because it it developed not from a campfire, but in an area called Campfire. And it burned a total of 153,000 acres, destroying 18,000 structures, resulting in 85 civilian fatalities, um, along with injuries for firefighters. The campfire, now what, it wasn't started from a campfire, it was actually electrical wires that started it, but it started in an area called Campfire, is the deadliest and most destructive fire in the history of California. What James's point is this, that small things can have big impacts. And the truth that he's saying is this, that your tongue has the, the capacity to direct the quality and the course of your life. And you may not believe me, but I'll tell you this, if you can, if you can craft lyrics for a song to, to put those lyrics together, well, people will pay you millions of dollars for the song that you can produce or the words that you sing. If you can craft those together well, it can make, get you a job. We've all watched um, different movies or America's Got Talent or Idol. Like, if they can craft words well, they will pay you millions of dollars. We've seen it in speeches. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in his I Have a Dream speech, with those words that he put together, he, he painted an image of a future that was the dream that he had that inspired millions to follow along. If you can craft words together well, you can change the quality of people's lives and your life. And in a simple way, you can get a job. When you sit down for an interview for a new job, if you can communicate clearly and well, you can convince these people you should hire them, hire you, or If you can't put your words together well, it's possible they'll pass on your resume. You can get a date. If you think that guy is cute or that girl is cute, if you walk up and just say a few words in the right way, you can get a date or you can get a rejection. All of those are simply in the power of the tongue or you can develop simply the best friendship of your life by a few simple words placed in the right way, at the right time. Words are extremely, extremely powerful. You can build up. Some of you have chosen career paths because of the right words spoken to you. I chose my major in college 
based on the encouragement of a teacher in high school and said, hey, you're kind of good at this. You should pursue that. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. But those few words helped steer my ship a little bit in this direction. All of us have been shaped by the power of words in a positive way, but also in a negative way. Words may not be there to build you up. Words can literally burn you down. He says this, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He says this, the tongue is a fire. The tongue can be used to build up or it can be used to burn down. And let me tell you what, we, many of us, although there are words that have, have spoken life into us, there are other words that have been said over us that have burned us down. Some of us still carry the wounds of, of careless words spoken over us. And he uses the illustration, he says, he says, look, every animal, every animal has been tamed or, or will be tamed by the power of the tongue. And, and he uses, he lists like every kind of animal. He says, look, every type of animal, every kind of beast, of a beast, of bird, of reptile, of sea creature. And he kind of like does the list, which I think is hilarious. Because you, you think about the animals, the animal kingdom. And at one level, those are terrifying. You gotta imagine uh, the first time people were walking through the Serengeti and they see like a, a tiger or they see a lion in the safari and, and they see these animals. The first time they're like, oh, that, that's cute, it's a long way away. But as soon as you get close, that thousand pound lion is terrifying. But now what, we can, what can we do with these large cats, these terrifying animals? We'll go to the circus. It looks like this. I mean, this ferocious animal with beasts, thousands of pounds, they're like, ah, ah, jump through my hoop. You know, like, we can tame it. But birds, I mean, I saw a guy with a trained falcon. He could, like, whistle and do some things, and that falcon will go grab him a rabbit and bring it back. You can go to SeaWorld, and I understand there's controversy on SeaWorld, so I show no pictures. But I remember when I was a child, um, I went to SeaWorld, and they trained these killer whales to do flips in the, the air. Now, there's controversy. I get it. Okay. But it was amazing the fact that they could train these animals to do these amazing feats simply with the power of the tongue. And, and James says this, everything can be tamed by this tongue. But here's the problem. You can't stop yourself. You can't tame your own mouth. Winston Churchill says this, we are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves to those we let slip out. We are masters of our unsaid words, but we're slaves to those words we let slip out. And how often in life do you, do you walk through the halls of your school or your office or your house and you let words slip that you wish you could pull back. And what's fascinating is this, he goes, look, we've tamed everything with this tongue, but you can't keep your own mouth shut. And that's the problem. And that's why I entitled this message, Me and My Big Mouth, 
or you and your big mouth. Because our words have not only built up, they've burnt down, and you can't control it. And let me just tell you this. The purpose of this message isn't to give you more willpower to shut up. Because you can't. And let me prove it to you. Um, uh, I, I was listening to another sermon on this, and, and this person um, communicated six things to try to do to control your mouth. Six things. And so here's the list of six things to try to do. And imagine if you could do this for, for a week. And he said, well, imagine you could do it for a day. Imagine you could do it for an hour. And he just gave this list. And so here's, here's the list. Do not complain or grumble. Do not boast about anything at all. Do not gossip or repeat bad information about someone else. Do not speak poorly about a person, even a little bit. Do not defend or excuse yourself, no matter what. Always affirm other people. I want, to, I want you to just challenge yourself for a minute to just do this. Have no thoughts of grumbling. Have no thoughts about boasting or gossip, or repeating gossip. Imagine going a week without this. And it's so difficult because many of your relationships are built on the negative, right? Imagine your neighbors. Like, how do you start a conversation? Hey, how are you doing today? I don't know. Well, the weather's this way. It's been raining over here. Can we do anything with this? Like, like, it just starts with complaining, right? And many of our relationships are sustained by complaining. You go to the office, and you start this conversation with someone at the office, and you're over at the water cooler grabbing coffee, whatever it is in, in your world, and, and you start this conversation. Hey, how's it going? Man, work's tough. Weekend was bad. You know, whatever. You know, it's just it's, it's all of this spewing of negative. It is so normal to go negative. I mean, can you imagine going positive on that? Uh, the, the illustration he was using was, was, was with folks in, in like high school. So can you imagine going into your high school? I know school ended, and so you're just happy that it's all over uh, for like an hour. Um, but can you imagine going through the days of your high, in your high school as your high school student, going through the days and only being positive? Someone going like, oh, man, I can't believe we're in this class. And you're like, well, at least we get to learn. Yeah. I, can you imagine that? Like, oh, we got a test coming up. Yeah, but then we get to prove like, that we studied hard. Like, it would be so weird. And we got, a, we got probably an election coming up and, and you got two candidates running, right? And there'll be something coming up and, and some issue and you'd be like, hey, well, well I, I just hope both people will do well and lead us in a better place. No, but I hate both of them or I hate this guy, I hate that guy. Yeah, but praise God they've sent us leaders to help us lead in a positive direction. Like, can you imagine trying to speak positive? Can you imagine trying to tame your tweets? Can you imagine being someone who only speaks life into the atmosphere of our culture that only speaks positive things. If you're honest with yourself, you probably tune those tweets out, right? You're like, oh man, there's another, another Bible verse, another someone, someone's happy, like, all right, moving on, moving on, moving on. Oh, there's drama, and, and you just like tune in to the chaos, and, and we all do it. If we think about the words that we put into the atmosphere of our culture, we are usually not ones that bring life upon life. For many of us, as it says in Proverbs, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and what we move to is death. What we move to are words that burn people down. We don't build them up. And, and the weird part about that is We've all been scorched. We've all been scorched by words that have been deeply wounding to us. 
And yet for some reason, we refuse to be people that bring the opposite. Winston Churchill's right. We are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves of those we let slip out. And James says, it ought not be this way. And he asks these questions in verses 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth the same opening fresh in salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olive branches or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. He starts asking these questions and he says this. If you have a source, can that source produce something different? If you have a source, and maybe that source is a spring, he says, if you've got a spring, can that spring produce fresh water and salt water? The answer should be, no, no it, it can't. He has question, you have another source. Can, it, can a fig tree, if you have a tree that produces a certain fruit, can it produce a different fruit? Can a fig tree produce olives? And the answer should be, well, well no, it, it shouldn't. He says, neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. And he starts asking these questions like, okay, if, if, if it's this way, shouldn't it only produce what's good? Shouldn't, if, it's, if there's good in it, shouldn't only produce good? And the answer is this, he's like, it actually, it actually doesn't. Our human nature is one that produces words that bless and words that curse. And his point is, it shouldn't be this way. Blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth. It shouldn't be this way. You're living a double life. And then the question is, okay, well, Kevin, how do we change how is it that I be one that brings words of life and not words of death? And the answer to that question is harder than you think. Because in hearing this, you can try to go back and apply. Okay, what I will do is before I have every bad thought, I will say, did, what would Jesus do? And then I will try to do only what Jesus does, does in that moment. I will only say nice things. If I have nothing nice to say, I will say nothing at all, right? And so that could be the application from it. But I don't think that's what James is saying. He's saying the change has to go beyond the surface down to the heart, down to the source. Because your words actually just reveal what's already lodged in your heart. Jesus says it this way in Luke 6. Luke 6, 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. The same kind of idea of trees and fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from a bramble bush. Then he says this, nor grapes are picked from a bramble bush or figs from a thorn bush. Verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure in his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you were to ask yourself the question, why did I say that? James's answer is this, because that was in your heart. 
why did I say that bad thing to that person? Because that came out of you. Why do I always have that comment or that snide remark that always just pops out? James and Jesus would both say this, because that came right out of you. And James' solution, Jesus' solution, isn't willpower, isn't do better next time. James's solution is what Jesus is pointing to. He says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. How do you get new words to come out of this heart? You've got to change that heart. You and I both need heart surgery. If our words are going to be life-giving, that means that we need to receive the life-giver. If your words are going to be ones that build up and not burn down, what it means is that there's something that has to radically shift within you. Years ago, we took um, our, uh, our dog to be trained by a dog trainer. And we kept on asking um, the trainer to fix the dog. Because the dog was the problem. The dog was chewing on things. The dog was doing stuff. And what was hilarious is that the trainer kept on directing us. Whenever the dog would act up, the trainer would, would be redirecting us as the parents. So you, when I fix you, you'll see the impact on the dog. And so I remember the dog would start running that way and then she would come to me. And I'm like, the dog's the problem, right? And she'd come to me and be like, okay, here's what you gotta do. You click and you hold, you do these different things and then you give a treat and, the, the, and all of a sudden, like all of this, and, and here was her point. If I make the owner better, you'll see the results in the dog. And what Jesus is saying is this. If I fix your heart, it will have an impact out there. So what does that mean for us, parents? Does it mean you don't need to correct your kid when they say something off color? No, you need to correct your kid. But there's a deeper issue in the correction. There's a moment as a parent when we, it's, it, we're just trying to correct action sometimes. Like, don't do that so that my life will be easier in this minute. But as a good parent, what it actually means is that you've got to do hard work. That means you come alongside that kid and you say, what, what's going on here that caused me to see this out here? What's going on in that heart? And have you actually, my kid, believed in Jesus? Have you actually received forgiveness of your sins? Do you know that, that Jesus forgave your sins and he's forgiven your mouth so there can be freedom out here? For all of us, it means that we gotta to come to Jesus and say, I'm gonna let the cross change my heart so that I, be one, I can be one that speaks life. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And what it means is that we all need a new heart. And Jesus promises that. When you come to me, I will give you, from in your spirit will flow rivers of living water. If we change here, it'll change out there. So what does that mean? It means for some of you, you need to come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins to give you a new heart, words to speak. For others of you, it means this, that you need to actually ask for forgiveness. 
There's words you said this past week, this past month, or maybe to someone else, and maybe Jesus is saying, okay, I'm addressing that issue, and, and I'm gonna change your heart, so now go and, and ask for forgiveness for those words that came out of you. It means that all of us need to spend time before we start speaking, start praying. Lord, let my heart and let my thoughts be of you. Lord, let my heart and let my thoughts be changed by you so that I can speak the words you want into this world. And if we do that, Jesus begins reforming our hearts so that we can be the people that speak the words that need to be spoken. And so I don't know where God's pressing on you. It may be in your literal words or it may be in your tweets or it may be in whatever you're bringing into the community, but I would say this, the Lord wants to shift some things so that we can be ones that bring fresh water, not salty, that produce life, and not death. Our prayer team is gonna be up here to pray with you. Maybe there's someone that you need to ask forgiveness from. Well, we wanna pray alongside you that you have the courage to go ask forgiveness for those words that came out. For others of you, it's, it's going to be um, just salvation. You've never come to faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and so we wanna pray alongside you for that. Others of you, you may just be struggling with something um, that God has put on your heart. Hey, we want to pray alongside you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're struggling with, we, our prayer team is here to pray alongside you. Thank you for being here this morning. Let us be men and women that bring life through the power of our tongue. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that truly life and death are in the power of the tongue that we can be saved through simply believing and confessing that you're Lord. Jesus, you can change the entire trajectory and course of our lives if we just come to you. Thank you that you are the living word, Jesus, that came into to earth, into our lives. Lord, I know many of us are, are, have a wide variety of applications for this simple truth that we need to watch what we say because our words are powerful. So Lord, I pray that you would change us by the power of your spirit. You would make us into good trees that produce good fruit and ultimately bring honor to you. We love you. I lift up each person here to you. It's in your name we pray, amen.